What are we doing it for? We're doing it for the culture. For the culture. For the culture. Picture it. You have three male friends <laughs> who you see quite often. Mm-hmm. You know, for the for the new word I made up, the appointments. Okay. You got three male friends who show up at your doorstep, Ooh. find out about each other, and force you to make a choice on which one you want to be with. First reaction. Okay, first of all. They all pretty much know about each other, right? <laughs> I'm just a very, very, very transparent person. Like who, who in in our, you know, we just too grown. Well, now they now they know a little bit more about each other. Like, oh, so you're Monday, Wednesday. <laughs> I'm Tuesday and Thursday. Oh, I'm the weekend. Mm. And so now they're forcing <clears throat> you to say, which one do you want all week? Which one do I want all week? You have to have one all week. I don't understand why. First reaction. I don't understand why society wants me <laughs> to live in these boxes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I don't know if I wanted if I wanted just one. I mean, I'm pretty sure I would be with that person. So they. Sorry about it. Sorry. Yeah, y'all, y'all dismissed. Y'all got to go. <laughs> come back when we're all evolved. Okay, come back when you got when you've reached your peak, <laughs> little boys. Okay, you I like, like that, that one. one. Like I that like one? that one. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, mine. Um, right. Your ex recently got engaged, okay. um, and he confesses his undying love for you. There is no one like you, and he wants to try to make it work. First reaction. Sorry about it, bro. Really? Sorry about it, bro. Why? Why did it take mm-hmm. this moment for you? You know, you're at this point where you're. Basically, when you were saying when you were saying the scenario, instantly I thought of um, uh, the altar by Finn. Uh-huh. My baby's at the <laughs> altar. Yeah, it's sorry. I mean, it's sorry about it, bro. Like you know, that ship's already sailed. You've already built this with you know, with the person you're about to marry. That's just cold feet. It is. That's just cold feet. And if you're gonna do that shit to me. That's unfair. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just have to be unfair back and think about, you know, what you're going through now. I mean, you go through what you go through. And if it still don't work out and you find yourself still feeling that just way confused. about me. Like, then you come holler at me. But, like, nah. Mm-hmm. Oh, see. Who is that? See, that's my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to put the shit on silent. It's cool. I got to be able to <laughs> see the the ringtone said it all, right? I'm yes, tripping. I'm just tripping. The ex is tripping. Sorry about it. Okay. Yeah, Thank that's my you. first reaction. <laughs> <laughs> These were good. I like this. Th- those are good. Those yeah. are good. What it do, Kaipu? This is your host, D-Boy. I got a special guest in the building. If you didn't recognize that voice, it's because we got a special guest. Um. Bex is out of town right now. She expresses her uh, her deep apologies that she can't be here. But, you know, we always got a lineup of folks from the community ready and willing to come out and just be a part of this platform, this conversation that we always got popping off every Monday. Yes. Thank you for tuning in. Um, mm. But who we have in the studio is someone very special, someone very near and dear to my heart. Uh, we've grown up since since we was little <laughs> <laughs> since we was young ones 
Um, since earlier times. Since earlier times, <laughs> since many moons ago. <laughs> I'm talking about none other than my sister, Sophia. What it do? Hey, thank you. Welcome. It's such a privilege to be here. Thank you. Thank you for being available. Thank you for joining me on uh, For the Cultures. Yes. It's so good to have you here. I'm excited. I'm nervous and excited. <laughs> me too. I'm nervous every time. <clears throat> And what's special is that just a few weeks ago, I don't know if I shared that with you, or I think I just shared it with you today, that you were my ICU a couple weeks ago. Just really recognizing your um, work as a leader in the community. Thank you. And also as an artist, because that's something I've always known ever since we were young, is that you had skills in like not only drawing, but... I wouldn't necessarily say it was tagging, but it was tagging, it right? It was tagging. It was tagging. Yeah. I just seen your story recently of like um, just... 700 blocks. Yeah, and just, all the... just all the art everywhere from in the room to, yeah. you know, outside in the neighborhood and just everything you grew up around. Like, that's so, so big. I know it is. Right, like... That's why I love... I just love these spaces that we share as a people. Yeah. Especially as San Franciscans. It's like you don't get that anywhere else, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's special to your space, so... Absolutely. Um, That's definitely uh, cultured me, conditioned me, so I am because of the things that I was surrounded by. Absolutely. <clears throat> and all your experiences and that, it's just so... Special to have you here, especially because this is Women's History Month. Yes. And we've been doing a lot of recognizing of PI women in history, whether that be in legends, creation stories, or her story. And we've been sort of evolving every episode where, you know, the first episode we focused in on Nafanua Mm -hmm. and that whole creation story. And then we read a biography of Queen Salote that was written by her great-granddaughter. And then last week, we looked in at um, Dr. Hanani K. Trask and played some of the clips of her her speeches. Yeah, that was dope. And reacted to them. And now we have a live Pacific Islander woman in the studio with us who is writing her story, right? And so it's going to be really uh, a treat to have a conversation with you later on, but just to do this whole episode with you. Thank you. It's a treat for me to be here. I really enjoy sharing your energy and your presence. Likewise, sis. Likewise. So as always, sis, what we like to do in this space before we get started on the conversation is we really just want to center ourselves, ground ourselves, and we ask, you know, our guests oftentimes um, if they would do us the honors of giving us a blessing you know, really centering us, a prayer, whatever it is, however you want to give thanks and really um, just center us, you know, okay. like, would you please offer that up to us? So is that okay? Yes, that's fine. Cool. Okay. Um, my thanks always start by acknowledging our most divine selves. So thank you, Danny Boy, for being courageous to open this space week after week. Um, I thank you for the capacity you give us as everyday people to take charge of our narrative. Um, and yeah, I hope we get to be our most present selves in this, in this podcast. Absolutely. We definitely will get there. Thank you for grounding us and centering us and for your kind words. Mm -hmm. It always, um, you know, just when people give love and praises, it always 
Genuine love. Genuine love. Yeah. It feels uncomfortable, but just got to get, you know, used to accepting it because I am grateful for that. So, yes, I'm grateful for you being in this space and just being able to share this. So thank you for helping us bring it home. Okay. And centering us. Yes. So as always, y'all, you know, we got our different segments. We got our bruh and then we got our ICU. <laughs> And then what we're going to do is chop it up with Sophia about um, just, you know, where she's been, where she's, um, how she's come up, what she's currently got going on, and just all those great things, right? Because as, as I said before, for this, um, for the celebration of Women's Herstory Month, what we're doing is recognizing PI women who have done great things and who are doing great things. Um, and I feel like you are certainly writing history right now for our community, for our neighborhoods. And so it's really special to be able to have a live person in the building. Thank you. It's A live woman in the building. It's I swear it's so weird, like accepting again, right? Those, yeah. those gestures and those titles, but it's like we deserve those titles. And it's like not just about you, it's about us like uh-huh. collectively wearing it so it's like when i walk in a room now they they like i'm commissioner something and i'm just like no i'm just me right right <laughs> but but then it's like i get why we need to attach ourselves to that type of value mm-hmm. so thank yeah, you we're definitely gonna <laughs> chop it up <laughs> bruh 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 <laughs> what's happening um okay so after i was riding my high horse you know all radiant and happy from being appointed um i got hit with an emotional curveball um one of my babies got into a fight at school Mm. um so this is at balboa high earlier in the school semester um she was in the same room when one of the kids uh shot their gun oh i remember hearing about that and they They shut the school down. They shut it down, right? Yeah. And so um, just really unraveling it with the state of consciousness we're in right now. It was was crazy picking apart the pieces and just understanding in what capacity she exists in freedom, right? Right. So a lot of it is like she's only free on social media. Um, There are so many barriers um, about where she stays. She's from Patrol Hill, so it's like... She's not safe in her house. She's not safe out her house. When she traverses the city to go to school or anything otherwise, she's targeted at school. She's targeted, and so it's like, what is that? What does that? Um, what does that mean for her to be unsafe in her home and outside of her home? Just for those who may not understand the the surroundings of what it means to exist in Patrol Hill. What does that? What does that mean? That means that you're. It's like. You're vulnerable to die at any given point in time or you're susceptible to some crisis that's happening. A lot you know, of just violence. Like, of, like ongoing that you just kind of got to carry and keep going and and hope it's not you one day. Right. What type of uh, neighborhood is Patrol Hill? Um, so it's historically impoverished, mm-hmm. um, disenfranchised, marginalized. Mm-hmm. So just at the margins of society. Uh, they don't have a lot of resources flooding into them, so that means, you know, where where there's that annoying street cleaner that comes at 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. every day in some places, or on Tuesdays and Thursdays, um, there's like an abandoned car in the hood that just sits there for years, right? And no one, like the city, does nothing about it. Um, 
right? It's one of the um, San Francisco housing projects, right? Yes, public housing public projects. Housing. Mm-hmm. Um, and since the, since the transition, it's like even more forgotten. Right. Um, and so she, she comes from these spaces, right, of just no real freedom, no real dexterity to be her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, as we as we all do, we try to exist in this, you know, this social in this in the social medias, right? Right. Um, and that's that's her space of freedom. That's a lot of these kids' spaces of freedom. And we think we're protecting our kids by not letting them ride the bus the way we used to ride the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that you know, like we're like the world is so scary now. It's but it's always been scary. It's, all, it's been scary when we was riding the bus. It's just this media thing has a you know I mean it's there's really a heightened it. It's really heightened, and it's like oh that all it it did exist (laughs) when we were around it just wasn't on the news every day yeah (laughs) that this kid was getting jumped down the street or getting stabbed right but it it, existed in the um in the grapevine right like everybody knew the 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 hood politics going on and not necessarily in in media yeah so it it was like and i'm used to like as a woman Mm -hmm. we're so used to juggling a million things at once but I swear when these kids do this to me like I get so emotionally thrown off where like I literally can't function like I just want to sleep um just because I know and they know the severities of these small instances of like trauma and and craziness Mm -hmm. um so what were we gonna say (laughs) just about uh just about like I think we were talking about like the spaces of freedom in which um, she's able to exist. She's able in. to exist in right because it's it's unsafe for her in her home as well as outside of her home. Even when she traverses through the city, it's unsafe. Oh yeah, so I was saying um, how coddled she was, right? So mm-hmm. these kids don't catch the bus, and it's like as when we were young, that's that's how we really learned about society and like. Who really rocking with you? You know, like you were able to determine who your friends were getting getting into a fight right. on the bus or something, or who had your back. And so it was like, um, she was sheltered from all that. So her learning that hard lesson in the ninth grade, it was like, um, I'm glad she has something that humbled her. Mm-hmm. That she has to practice humility in um her next steps forward you know, like as a person and how much stronger and resilient that's going to make her. But it's like, why did it come so late? <laughs> you right. know, we, we figure this stuff out a little earlier, like having to traverse this social world earlier as, you know, mm-hmm. when we were kids. I mean, when you think back and I'm trying to th- I'm trying to go back for myself as just a young person, what were the spaces of uh, that you had freedom Riding the bus. I swear, when my mom, I, I was beating up Sunny one day. <laughs> <laughs> my mom threw a shoe at me, and the first thing I did was walk to the 54. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where I was going, and it was getting dark. I walked to the 54. Um, where did I get off at? I got off somewhere and caught the 29. Like, the 29 was the only, it's the only bus I know, like, my whole life. And I'm just like, okay, I'm on the 29, go, go end of the stop. End of the line, um, uh-huh. and I end up in Dubrock. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm just walking through Dubrock. Oh, my God, in Jungle, too. It was like it was a big-ass fight over there on Nichols and Cameron. Mm-hmm. And so it was like everybody's outside. Like, uh, But they're, you know, like black people fighting. But then it's like, oh, I see uh, Tufa, and I see my family. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is where I was going. <laughs> so I end up at my auntie's house, and she calls my dad, and she's like, yeah, she's here. She's okay. 
Aww. and I stay there for like I think a semester, <laughs> just because my mom thanks mom she threw a shoe at me. <laughs> but, but but those were like my spaces of freedom was getting on the bus and and it was like, yeah, we had houses to go to right like it wasn't just our own home that we had to we were just locked down to yeah. That was a good memory. Thank you for (laughs) letting me relive that. I mean, I feel like folks don't even Mm -hmm. exist like that anymore in the city, right? Where it's like, oh, we can go to auntie's house. We can go to uncle's house. We can go up the street, down the street. It's like... Everyone's in such a state of crisis. It's crazy. Yeah, because of what? Gentrification, because of cost of living, because of... I keep having this conversation, though, right? Because... You know, I mean, a lot of the times you want to protect your kids and you're like, okay, I'm going to pick up and leave. Um, But it's like somewhere down your lineage, your kids, your ancestors or, you know, whoever's next, they're going to have to fight for the same freedom that we're fighting for today by, by, by trying to exist in these spaces. And so... You know, look at this, the advocacy, the, <laughs> the activist in me. Yeah, this, I feel this, it. This, this gives me purpose for staying where I'm at mm-hmm. in these in these very challenging times. Word. <clears throat> I mean, my, my situation doesn't necessarily exist um, in the same way, but I feel like what I'm fighting up against is trying to provide spaces of uh, freedom, and I think freedom of thought, but also just freedom to be um, her authentic self is mm-hmm. with my niece, right? Or mm-hmm. with our niece. Mm-hmm. Our God baby. Our God baby. <laughs> uh, Tika, and just how, like, um, you know, she, she, I mean, she finds herself asking, like, should I do this or should I do that, right? Even if it's something as simple as, like, coloring somebody's hair. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, like a picture she's drawing. Should it be red or should it be pink? And I'm trying to think her, uh, trying to teach her, well, whatever you think is right. Because if you want her hair to be red, then do it red. If mm-hmm. you don't like it, just change it. Mm-hmm. It's your, it's your thought. It's your will. Yeah. It's not about what I feel is right. It's about what you feel is right. Mm-hmm. And just trying to have her have that sense of freedom, right? Freedom and thought. Yeah. Because I don't want her to be locked down to mm-hmm. what. Um, other people think, right? Oh my gosh, yes. Or or what society thinks because she's getting into that um, age where she's going to start critiquing herself. Yeah. And I don't know how to empower her to be, um, you know, like believing in herself and, and all of that because I'm still trying to figure that out for myself. But what I think might be right is what I'm trying to give to her. I heard that. Uh, because... I think that's something that's probably like one of the strongest tools that any of us could have is is the is the power to believe in ourselves yes. wholeheartedly. Yes. And even in the moments where we don't, we're able to navigate that to get to the point of where we are. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel you on thinking about like these spaces of freedom, because even in our home, there's not much space to move around very freely, right? Like mm-hmm. we are just all up on each other's mm-hmm. uh, shoulders and mm-hmm. hips, and you know, it's like I want some damn freedom, my dad. <laughs> 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 but I, you know, um, and that makes me think about last week, Bex, um, for her first reaction. Her for her first reaction for me was that she was like, "You have an opportunity to go out and like be on this film set," and 
you're going to achieve like your most um, wildest dream of, you know, like doing, being a filmmaker. Um, but, but you have to go move to Wyoming or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. First reaction. And I was like, I'm not taking it. Mm. And she was like, what? You know, like she couldn't yeah. believe it. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm not taking it because I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving my baby right now. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Because I could go out there and achieve things for myself and be able potentially be able to provide mm-hmm. you oh. know for things or whatever but taking that time away from her and leaving her where does that time go yeah i feel the exact same way and it's like you know my kids um you know i just turned 31 but i've been raising kids since my my sister had her first baby at 18 <laughs> <laughs> um right with ab and so it's like seeing them mature into adults right and you it's it's like you it's it's a it's a gift that keeps on giving, mm, um, right. and and you don't see it right away, right? With these, I mean, you might you do see it. You're like, okay, wow, this kid is being amazing right now. But it's like when they're adults, and you're like, wow, you know, all that time that I sacrificed <laughs> <laughs> to you know make sure you didn't jump off the cliff. Yeah, um, look at you just being all phenomenal and like your best self. Like it it just does something because they're they're pieces of you. Um, Absolutely. It's worth it. It's worth it's worth the sacrifice, if anything. Yeah. You know, we can only go so far as individuals. It really is about how we can collectively climb together. And I think even to what you were saying about, like, the babies of this generation or our babies, you know, just, like, being coddled, I feel like that resonates with me because I definitely um, coddle my niece. Mm-hmm. Or, <laughs> eh, I keep saying my niece. Our niece. <laughs> our niece. I keep coddling... <laughs> You know, I coddle them because of just how crazy this world is, right? And yeah. I don't want her to walk to school or catch the bus probably ever because, you know, thinking about, like, how there's um, young girls being snatched up, trafficking, all that shit, like, nope. But there definitely has to be moments where they see the sacrifice and the reason and, yeah. I, and i have to share like what those reasons are and it can't be lost in translation no. as we always find ourselves in when we get into these spaces of like privilege right right where we lose that translation of like oh, okay this is why we worked our butts off to provide you this space yeah <clears throat> so yeah as long as we keep that balance word we'll be good and i feel what you were saying about like you gl- you're glad that um, that she got into the fight right now because it it kind of, um, you know, pumped the brakes a little bit yes. and humbled her out. You know, we all need that moment of, we all need to be remembered of our humility, yes. right? And sometimes taking those <laughs> L's, right? you know, is how we are humbled. And, and hopefully it doesn't turn into where it's like, nah, I got to retaliate and I got to, I got to get mines before I'm get God again, it's like, nah, just pumping your brakes right. and, and remembering that like all this all this living that you're doing on social media and this quote unquote sense of freedom is not your reality. Mm-hmm. Right? And just just remembering to be humble. Love, humility. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yeah, I could dig it. That's the bruh. That's for real, brother. We, <laughs> we, we could have kept going on I that. I know. Um, but 
I think it's cool right now, you know, just for us to transition into our one of my favorite segments. It's the ICU segment. And this is where we recognize PI folks doing things um, or just the folks that are on our mind or just folks who are in our hearts that are doing things in the community, from our community, because rarely do we ever have a chance to celebrate one another. Yes. Or that we are celebrated in the PI community. I know. So for this week, my ICU goes out to a young woman who is a newly, um, a, a new professor, right, who is teaching at San Francisco State University as well as City College of San Francisco. Um, her name is Levalasi Loyan, also known as Professor Loyan. Um, she's been doing a lot of great things she, even before she became a professor. She's done a lot of great work with just the community, the PI community, um, and other communities as well, um, and just being a leader. And what's really, um, what's really dope is that I think it was this this past week where um, they've been doing a lot of fighting and a lot of advocating for the um, the critical Pacific Islands and Oceania studies to be recognized mm-hmm. um, on the campus. And so while it's recognized at City College San Francisco now, right? I believe you can get um, not not just a certificate, right? But you can get um, you can get your associate's degree. Yes, in you it. can. Um, right now, uh, this past week, they've been advocating for it, and it just got approved by San Francisco State University to dope, now be able to so minor dope. in critical Pacific Islands and Oceania studies. And Lassie has been really like part of the backbone that's been pushing that to happen. And so just want to recognize all of that great work and all the efforts and so many others who have paved the way for that to happen. And so all of that to say, Levalasi Loyan, I see you. That is so dope. Shout out to you, Lass. My ICU is my baby sister, Alanis Imani um, Tupuola, <laughs> uh, um, otherwise at its non-alicious. Um, recently, she shared with me that she wasn't sure she's she was going she's going into her fourth year at state, mm-hmm. um, but she recently shared with me um, that she wasn't sure if she wanted to finish co- finish college, um, and I thought it was courageous of her to even share that. Um, so. After my dad died in 09, um, I did my best to help my mom raise my younger siblings. Mm -hmm. And so Nana was the youngest. And so after she successfully got into state, which was a huge achievement because none of us, none of us ever went into a four year right after high school. Right. And so it it was like just astounding that she was there in that space. Um, so after that, I, I went and made that pivot into the nonprofit world. Um, so you can say there were just a lot of uh, sacrifices I made personally to make to ensure that she had that option. Mm-hmm. And so even even though it's like she doesn't want to follow through with it, I'm just happy that my baby is courageous enough to do what she wants to do in life right. and to feel valuable anyways. And so... Um, I just want to restate that, that you are valuable no matter what you do in this world, as long as you're following your heart. Come on. (laughs) 
Come on. And no, she, right. she deserves to be recognized. Um, so she's uh, she's been with. Um, so Nana's like our sister-in-law. Um, we claim her her boyfriend that she's been with for like seven years, <laughs> and his name is Young. Yeah. So Young is our brother, and Nana's our sister-in-law. And so it's like <laughs> we're just like you know, like we're just like live your life with Young Nana. Like um, that's 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 the life we've all wanted to live at some point, and it's like embrace it just be happy i don't care what you do as long as you're happy right (laughs) so i mean she might she might you know decide to finish her degree but like right now she's just like i i really just don't know who i am and school hasn't helped me find that person yes um and so i'm just hoping once she gets into the you know like she figures it out and she knows her value no matter what she's doing. Like these social constructs won't make us valuable or invaluable. Right. It really is just about where her heart is telling her to go. And her experiences. Yes, her experiences. And just as you said, right, like just because she's not completing it now doesn't mean that she can't complete it later. Because all of those credits that she's accumulated, mm-hmm. you know, God willing that um uh, state doesn't lose their accreditation, <laughs> but th- they'll be there for yeah. her to go and finish later on when she's when she knows what she, she wants. Yeah, yeah, when she knows what she wants and if she wants to or yeah. not, you know, because yeah. she could go on and be successful and never go. I know back, and that's okay. Yes, right, and that's okay, and and I think being able to articulate that, express that, and stand by it mm-hmm. is what. Um, I don't know. I can respect. Yeah, that's really great hearing that. That. Nana feels that it's not for her right now and that she's going to do what she wants to do. That's my baby. That's right. (laughs) So you got to repeat it. You got to say. Oh, so uh, (laughs) it's Nanalicious, my favorite little sister in the whole world. Uh, I see you. Thank you for thank you for just recognizing Nana. And I'm glad that I got to recognize Loss. Um, It's just really important that, you know, we're in this month of women's history that we are attributing not only the episodes but our ICUs to PI women doing big things and I feel like what we've highlighted this month is just the range of experiences and the range of what our PI women are doing and have done and so I'm just really grateful for um, the women that we've recognized this episode and all episodes before so So with all of that being said, I am so happy to have you in this seat Mm -hmm. uh, because we get to talk to a young Pacific Islander woman, human being, who is writing her story right now as we speak. Thank you. Um, And something I just want to recognize is that Sophie does a lot of work with um, the Youth Resilient Leadership Academy which is ran through the A. Philip Randolph Institute. Is that right? Yes. So, um, And not only is that the work that you do with young folks and really building their, um, their advocacy and mm-hmm. their agency, right, mm-hmm. to, to, to be able to speak up and um, take stances in their community, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you also were newly, you're a newly appointed um, committee member, right? Mm-hmm. And the committee that you were appointed to was the San Francisco County Transportation Authority uh, Citizens Advisory 
Committee. Committee, yes. right? Yes, yes, yes. For District 10 in San Francisco, right? Yes. Yeah, so there are 11 seats um, for the 11 districts in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And so I sit on the D10 seat. So District 10 covers Bayview, Patrol Hill, and like all the way, like Patrol Hill to Viz Valley. Okay. And so that's all the hoods. And that's where a lot of our, um, our, people. our people are, right? Yes. Specifically Samoans. Yes. Is this, have you heard of this statistic before? I believe it was... Uh, Urs, who shared this with me, shout out to sis Ursula and hey, Siatonga. SFUSD. Okay. The Siatonga <clears throat> family have been doing a lot of great things in our community since forever. Forever, ever, yep. right? Um, but I remember she shared a statistic with me that said 90% of the Samoan community in San Francisco lives in public housing. Yes. Have you heard that? Um, I haven't, but, uh, but... But you believe it? Yes. I mean, yeah, we've seen it yes. all our life growing yes. up, right? Yes. So, where, yeah, District 10, that's that's all our peoples. That is all of our people. Mm-hmm. It's crazy that you say that, that 90% live in public housing. It's like, um, and that's why I feel so strongly, like, working with the black community is because mm-hmm. we got thrown into that structure that right. was, you know, really meant to oppress the yeah. black and brown body right mm-hmm. and hold us down right and so we're in those spaces unknowingly you know like we came to america thinking that we're going to get a piece of this american pie but it was like we got thrown into these structures of oppression i mean not like we weren't running from something on the islands imperialism colonialism mm-hmm. um but it was like when we got here we thought we would have some spaces of freedom but we just got thrown into and then it's like not articulated. So our 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 fight with those structures aren't articulated, right? What's predominantly articulated is, um, you know, how the black body exists in those structures, in which I, I'm not going to take away from the context from which they exist in right. this country. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have to stand up for the for the way that we've been thrown into it, and you know what that looks like. I feel like. Um you saying we were thrown into it, it's as if, um, I guess what I take away from that or what that means to me is that when our ancestors migrated here, Mm -hmm. that that was their only option, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's where their sort of um, economic, um, their economic, capability landed them in mm-hmm. right because when we ca- when they came here it's not like we had all the riches to be able to survive in this capitalistic it's not even like we society, had the right? mindset though right um, to to exist in an urban setting like we come from right. an island-like society you know where, where it's very commu- communal yes. and everybody relies on each other yes. and it's a very community-based yes. way of living yes and coming here is very individualistic and yes extremely capitalistic where mm-hmm. you know like the land and the islands we for the most part owned a lot of our lands mm-hmm. right and so yeah but yes d10 D <laughs> that is that. d10 <laughs> um and yep yeah, and so that is the seat that i sit on um before me it was a white man sitting on this seat so i just hope to take up space for the less valuable the forgotten you know, of society. And I hope to do it justice. I mean, I know I'm going to do it justice. Y'all hold me accountable. Word. <laughs> yeah. I mean, first of all, congratulations on 
um, being appointed on such a on in such a seat, right? Because that means that you are no longer necessarily outside of the table, right? But you're at the table, mm-hmm. getting and and mm-hmm. and it can only you can only go further from here. I feel yes, you know, <laughs> and um, just to be able to be represented. To have you as a representative of the community, like that's extremely special. Not just because of you being um, from there, or not just because of the work you're doing, but because of you being from from the neighborhood, from District Ten, and knowing what that looks like, what that means, right? Because there's so many layers to all of all of what it means to be in that seat. Yes, yeah, so many layers. Um... It felt so empowering to stand in that space um, and to speak in front of the board of commissions who are the board of supervisors that represent San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like a collective kind of power empowerment. Like behind me, I had my ocean of, you know, brown faces, but I had my black elders <laughs> that um, sit on the um, public housing tenants association Mm -hmm. and so they're like appointed by the mayor and stuff like that so it just felt really good um to be acknowledged afterwards for telling our collective stories and the way they intermesh with each other or intermingle Mm -hmm. so we're just like the way that they're connected yeah the way they're connected with each other it was like you know crazy how my story is the same story for a lot of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Regardless of um, ethnicity. Yeah, ethnic regardless of ethnicity, right? yes. I feel like what you, what that highlights is just the importance of not only working with our community, but working with other marginalized communities as well, right? Mm-hmm. Because we all can help each other have that extra footing, right? Because I feel like with you saying you had a lot of your black elders around helping you uh, navigate this or even to get into this space mm-hmm. it's like their guidance is helping you uh sustain and exist mm-hmm. because you will gain experience you'll be able to pass that on to you know your community and hopefully empower other folks to feel like they want to be involved in such a way right i hope so um it always it always 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 like strikes me in such an astounding way um seeing everybody like live within their passion right Mm -hmm. like I'm such a nerd and I can't believe that my nerdiness or my quirks like landed me here Mm -hmm. and so it's like I'm taking care of a a certain niche of our you know our social structures right Right. but then it's like everywhere else like loss and what she's doing for education higher education it's Mm -hmm. like I could never be, you know what I mean? I could never be a loss, but it's like I'm me and it's like I'm about to, you know, I'm really about to perfect this <laughs> this little space that, I, that I'm that i supposed to and um, influence. Exactly. And it's all those little uh, pockets mm-hmm. of change that are happening yes. that contribute to this bigger change for our community, right? If we recognize folks like yourself, mm-hmm. folks like Loss, and even folks like Nana, right? I like know. this is all... All of those three examples are so important because these are women doing things in our community, right? Passion. All of it centered in passion, right? Um, And you mentioned something earlier that I wanted to sort of unpack with you a bit is that you said in the seat that you now occupy, it was 
once occupied or before that it was occupied by a white man right mm-hmm. what is it like to be a woman right a pacific islander woman um existing in that in that space first of all um women leadership in san francisco is crazy right now right <laughs> uh-huh. so our mayor is a black woman um our city administrator is a black woman mm-hmm. <laughs> i can go on about the women, I mean, my executive director, Jackie Flynn, like, just tenacity. It's it's so much, like, I love the value that is being, you know, the highlight of value that's being shed or the unveiling of value about, like, what women are capable of doing. Word. And so it's, like, not so much. Um, I was telling you earlier how I wanted to show up to the appointment speech that I had to give mm-hmm. in, in a jersey. Like, jersey's just my natural. That's, like, my most comfortable self is being in, a like, an almost oversized jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to show up and, and look like that because um, I want them to know that I'm, I'm just as valuable in a jersey as I would be in a suit. Right. And I don't have to wear a suit to be valuable. Come on. And so it's like it's it's just beyond those identity, you know, those identity barriers of like you're a woman. But there's just so much about being, you know, what I mean, like so much can be umbrellaed under our second class citizenship that we take on as being women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, since the beginning of this nation or since the beginning of like certain social structures. Um, and so. I mean, it really just don't feel no different. I just feel like a human being um, stepping into this space that we deserve mm-hmm. and um, shedding light on how valuable and beautiful we are <laughs> to have been resilient enough to still live today, to still exist today, to um, create culture the way that we create culture, to create beauty the way that we create beauty in our spaces. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I really like that you said you wanted to show up in a jersey <laughs> to show the fact that, like, it's not about your appearance, right? But it's about your intellect and your perseverance and your resilience. Oh, don't! Oh my gosh, go there, go off about this stuff, right? <laughs> I get, go off. I get so much shit about dress, like for like for my brothers, you know, my family. But even, I mean, I don't pay too much mind in society, but just for dressing the way I dress, I'm a curvy woman, right? And I just appreciate my body and it's like it took me a long time to appreciate my body or, or for curves to be cool in society. But right. it's like I'm not about to nope, I'm not about to change the way I look it up for nobody. <laughs> I can. And then it's like every time somebody gets at me, it's like, why can't I be sexy, intelligent, athletic? You know, all these things exactly. like as I am. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I actually am all those things. Right. I actually do play softball on Mondays like <laughs> and all of this, all of this sexiness does not. Um, it, you know, does not make it okay for you to, um, like for others, especially I'll speak, you know, towards men, it does not give permission for you to violate, right? Because yeah. this I is, mean, I wish they would try to violate. <laughs> 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 okay. You know, my brother's a professional boxer. I taught him how to, no, I was <laughs> right? No, but I'm saying that so many women, you know, even if they want to um, dress dress however they want to dress mm-hmm. right like for some reason that that makes that make the um that appearance gives them some type of label definitely it makes me think about this video i seen and maybe y'all have seen it too is um go there there was a, a black woman who had on this bomb ass like uh cat suit right like mm-hmm. it was 
it was just like this one piece, but mm-hmm. it was fitted to her body, and she was on the train. This is in New York. Mm-hmm. She was on the train, and she was walking by, and some dude slapped her in the, on the ass. No. And she turned around and slapped the shit out that I motherfucker. Heard, like, yes. And went off on him. Yes, queen. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was saying, like, why are you dressing like that for? Like, you asking for it. And she was like, I dare you to do it again. She's mm-hmm. like, I could dress like this because I want to. Mm-hmm. I dare you to do it again. And she was like, she was looking up on him, like, do it again. And she slapped <laughs> the shit out of him again. Ooh. And it was like, go off, sis. Get give give that motherfucker what he deserves. Because just because a woman dresses that way does not is not an invitation for men to act fucking what's the word to to act ignorantly yes. right to to act to be disgusting to violate women and i and, and all that to say sis that i really as a brother right like i have my moments of mm-hmm. like oh, my sister is like Naked. <laughs> <laughs> no, my sister is reminding me of my mother. Oh, right, all the time. <laughs> and the cleave, you know, with the cleave and all that hanging out. But you know, it's beautiful because it's empowering. And I think as a young person, I've ne- I n- never seen it as that. Like I've, oh, in my, I might have been embarrassed, or mm-hmm. you know, like because of the way society is structured or how we're, how we're conditioned to think like, no, you're a woman, you need to cover that up. I see it as such an empowering gesture because it's like no I'm comfortable in my skin I'm comfortable to do this and I'm me look I love feeling like a woman yeah and if that means you know what I mean I love my woman attributes yeah and so it's like I mean I love my oversized jerseys too yes but <laughs> like when I dress in those ways it's, it it just it makes me feel good I mean it makes me feel closer to my feminine side because I actually you know what I mean I have to be I mean, not a man, but I have to boss up every single day. I have to show up. um, I have to make very disciplined and hard decisions to live um, for our kids Mm -hmm. and for our community. And so it's it's like when I dress like a woman, I just like feeling like it makes me feel great. (laughs) Yes. And it's confidence. And I really I really love that about your I love your confidence in yourself and in and your body. And I don't care what y'all say. I'm gonna be naked. <laughs> Look at my brothers tell me forever, like, sis, come on, like. And that's such a that's such a structured way for us, or such a conditioned way for us to think. But I think it's also because of just the type of um, the type of mindset that we know that exists out there. Yeah. With a lot of men, where they see that and they see an invitation, they think that it's okay. They think that you're a certain type of woman, and we as brothers as as male figures in your lives and the lives of others is just to trust that like y'all got it, but we still going to be there mm-hmm. in the background in case <laughs> motherfuckers get out of pocket. You know what I mean? Cause I know there's a lot of like my brothers and a lot of uh, men, you know, in my social circles that like are really attracted to you because of that. <laughs> I'm like, y'all motherfuckers better back up. Okay. You don't, you really don't want it. Like <laughs> I don't have to be the one to kick your ass. Like, she already gonna put you in right. your place. You gonna be, you gonna be one of these fools that's at her door, giving her the ultimatum <laughs> and being excused. <laughs> so what I've learned, um, so I used to work at the end up on Sixth and Harrison, and so like me and my sister, we worked the door where we collect the money and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just very easy for me, um, to learn how to let compliments like slide right off of me. So it's like I almost don't 
like I, I won't even pay attention to you if you're giving like if you're giving me a compliment about my beauty or my body it's like I almost don't pay you no mind <laughs> because it just doesn't I mean all those things like anatomy it's all interchangeable like every woman in the world has a woman's anatomy mm-hmm. you know to some degree um and so it's just easy to not like I don't know it's like I can dress this way and and not like need validation yeah need validation or let it like let anybody's attention affect my presence or you know what I mean like my focus mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's confidence? like you, you know my focus or my confidence so I'm just you know out here looking like a intelligent sexy <laughs> human being like right. not like not even in a tunnel vision kind of way like I really just don't pay nobody no mind <laughs> you ain't doing it for nobody else I but know. yourself yes really and that's what's dope about it I want to take a step back real quick and ask, because you said you wanted to show up uh, when you were going to deliver this speech, right? You wanted to show up in a jersey. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to pose this question to see where we can go with it as to why you didn't want to show up in a pulakasi. Ooh. <laughs> Are we going there, huh? Why you, didn't, why you didn't want to show up in a pulakasi for? Okay, right. I don't even hang out. I feel so bad. So I grew up in... Um, a Samoan church, uh, so at two six mm-hmm. um, on Twenty Sixth Street, it was at Samoan. I don't know what it's named, <laughs> but you <laughs> know, know two six, yeah. two six. That's where I went to church at with my grandmother, uh, Tufa Tongiai. Um, we used to wear pulakasis all the time. I loved wearing the pulakasis. The love, you know, that she put into it. I love the matching ofus I would have with my brothers and sisters, right. or AKA my first cousins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it always felt so special to be a part of those things for her, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I I never felt the need to be overtly Samoan, right? <laughs> like I am, my skin. Like I am Samoan. Your appearance. Yeah, yeah, just like the whole human thing. Like I just, you know, like when I step into those spaces, I'm just a human being. Yeah. Um, I'm not a woman. I mean, I know I carry all of those identity or I, I exist within all of those populations but I'm really just a, a person that has evolved in this space in this space you know has transformed in this space yes um and I carry with me <laughs> my Samoan heritage and I'm I'm so grateful I mean I went I lived in the islands um, as a child. Mm-hmm. I got sent back to the islands because my parents couldn't afford to keep me here. <laughs> you know, we was living bad. We was like, it was like five of us living um, in a room at my grandmother's house. And, you know, each family had a room. Right. And so it was like, you know, pull the bed out from under the du- the bunk bed mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. Like, oh, your, your clothes are like in this. You know, this stack section. of yeah, this, but it's like all the way at the top, so you had to like, <laughs> you had to take it all down just to get one thing out and then put it back up. So I, I mean, I did live in the islands with my grandparents. Um, but it was like the entire world was still, and so was, I know the value it is coming from that space. Right. Um, I know the value it is being Samoan and growing up with, you know, our conditioned sense of family. And community, right? Um, that I mean, that makes me who I am. But it's like I, I never feel the need to be overtly someone. <laughs> and, and I appreciate that. And and my question <laughs> was not to shame you or to or to um, put you on a spot in that sense. I just wanted to 
highlight the fact that we don't necessarily always have to uh, existentialize mm-hmm. our our identity mm-hmm. as Islander folks, right? Because we come from this, because we exist in the diaspora, mm-hmm. right? As someone, Pacific Islanders, human beings, right? Like, and and I spoke about this last week where I was having this conversation with um, Yuki, who's an artist from Samoa, about just really having this issue with some of the way our Pacific Islanderness is celebrated in academia, mm-hmm. right? And this whole idea of like, we are ocean mm-hmm. and, you know, like thinking about PI studies and all of that, right? Like while I understand it, I yeah. just felt like I didn't, the way that it was being, the way that it was being talked about or celebrated, I didn't identify with, Yeah, right? And I told her that I didn't feel indigenous. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like an indigenous person because my experiences are not rooted in the islands. Mm-hmm. Um, and Yuki told me that, you know, your genealogy connects you yes. to those indigenous lands. And so you're indigenous with a diasporic lens. Mm-hmm. That shit sung to me <laughs> like a motherfucker. Like finally, yeah, I understand. And I had this conversation with Lassie as well where I told her like, you know, this whole like, the whole We Are Ocean movement and um, study, right? And just the way that our, our young people exist in these spaces of academia where um, they're, they're being able to engage in um, a classroom setting about ourselves as Pacific Islanders mm-hmm. and this identity of We Are Ocean. And I told her I didn't, I didn't identify with that. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. And she told me that she wrote a paper mm-hmm. uh, titled... Um, oh, concrete ocean. Oh yes, yes, yes. Ooh, and that sung to me too. And I was just like, <laughs> "Damn, sis, you know, like that speaks to me." And right, it makes me think about like concrete jungle. Yes. Right, and just how we exist here as yes. well as there. Yes. And and we are we are ocean, but we are the concrete, and we are all these things. And that's why I wanted to <laughs> sort of <laughs> highlight, like, well, why you didn't want to wear a pulakasi ah. to the thing? It's like, yeah, I don't have to overtly yes. show this part of myself. Like, I am me. Yeah, to hold value in a space, right? Um, I'm usually the only brown Samoan girl in those spaces at City Hall. Like, mm-hmm. at a lot of events, I'm, like, the only Samoan girl. And which is crazy because you said, what, 90% of our people live in public housing in San Francisco. Right. Um and so that means a lot of them are still struggling or got out, you know, or don't participate civically in mm-hmm. these ways. Crazy. <laughs> Were you always um, into civic engagement? Like, was that always something that you... I'm just stubborn as fuck. I'm just so, <laughs> I'm so stubborn. Like, you know, like there's certain truths that we carry as human beings, you know, when we come into this world, right? And so... Like, I've always just, you know, I, I mean, I blame it on my dad. Um, <laughs> rest in peace right. to my dad, Paul Tongiai. <laughs> he is like the, you know, the voice in my head. Right. <laughs> and I've always just, um, I've just been very stubborn about my truths and what I believed was right. And so even when it came to, like, existing within our familial, you know, like, hierarchy and structures, I'm just like, ah, that didn't, 
that don't even that don't even sound right. Like <laughs> I don't even understand why my individual self got to put in a whole like I'm a whole family, right? Kind of thing. <clears throat> but um it was just living with that stubbornness and and knowing like knowing that it wasn't right and and not having that outlet or not having that population of people who you know, could who could attest to those same, you know, like um, truths that I carried. And it was just like, I just wanted to figure it out. Like, mm-hmm. I knew something wasn't right. Um, I knew there was a reason, you know, like why my parents' generation aren't living to C60. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew there was a reason why, you know, like no matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't get through, through college. Mm. Um, and I figured it out. Like... <laughs> You know, I took, um, I was just like, um, you know, just like wherever that seedling was um, that had the answers. I found myself at Cal, um, you know, in every different space. And I'm like, okay, all right. Um, You know, there was something fucked up about the structure. Mm -hmm. And it just possessed me. Like, I know I just want, and it's like not even, that wasn't my agenda to just to exist in those spaces it was it was mostly to educate my youth about their value mm. educate my youth about these systems that are working against them mm-hmm. like a, a, in a clear in a very clear way and with that <laughs> i ended up being a spokesperson <laughs> articulating our stories and how we were just talking about this earlier in the car all it takes is articulation right and I'm not doing much but articulating um, our stories mm-hmm. and just how it's just crazy. And the inequities that we exist in, in Equities. Right? It's just crazy how much we live through to be today. So is this the type mm-hmm. of, um, that's kind of what the work is too with the Youth Resilient Leadership Academy, right? Yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit? So the Resilient Youth Leadership Academy, it is, so it's, it's, it's initially like the funding is under the lens of climate change, oh, okay. which which is great, right? Because right. it covers us all as human beings in the way like, you know, it, it covers our global identity mm-hmm. and um, our responsibility to the whole. <clears throat> but in that, um, so there's all types of types of environmental injustices that happen in Bayview Hunters Point. Right. Um, what are some? Well, the air. Um, we were right Absolutely. next door. <laughs> so we are like one of the only communities that neighbor an industrial zone. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the shipyard, um, all of these other industrious um, workplaces that affect the air quality mm-hmm. and contribute to the asthma epidemic, right, um, in our communities. But just, you know, among a, a bunch of other insecurities, so employment insecurity, food insecurity, housing insecurity. Um, health insecurity. Health insecurity. I mean, all of that has got to play into the health. It does. It's a public health. Right. It's a public health uh, thing. Uh, hazard. <clears throat> yes. What were we talking about? <laughs> how how the work in the Youth Resilient Leadership Academy is rooted in, is funded through like under the lens of climate yes. change and how. Okay, and, and the so, living conditions contribute to a lot of the disparities found in the yes. neighborhoods. So we we mostly just use that space to game these kids up, right? Word. Come <laughs> and on. ain't nothing. We just gaming them up. Like I just want them to go into the world and and be able to live and and to live an unobstructed life. Mm. Um, 
I want them to know the ways in which the system is working against them mm-hmm. um, and to find ways in which we can, you know, um, move accordingly. Mm-hmm. Like what change levers we actually do have a hand on. Right. And so the seat that I sit on right now, it, it like it it's almost like a billion dollar um, public transportation budget. Mm-hmm. And so when I seen the first agenda, right, the first meeting that I'll go to is on Wednesday. It's like, oh, approve or disapprove this four million dollar budget for such and such. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> right. Like, like you right, have a you have a say in that. Right. Like these are these are the spaces that we were left out of. Mm. And um and wow, you know, we just end up here fighting that good fight for equity. <laughs> but I'm glad that we know that this is how we create equity. It's like we have to exist in every phase of urban in urban development. We have to exist in those spaces. And just existing in those spaces, you know, like not I'm not I'm not like the smartest person in the world, but I do have that contextual intelligence about um District Ten. Yeah. And our disenfranchised communities, marginalized communities. So Ryla, <laughs> Resilient Youth Leadership Academy. So we just basically cover all of that. You know, we we it's it's just insane how much we do with the space that we're given. And that's that's what I appreciated about walking into that space right. and being able to kind of mold, you know, like I'm in a box in a way. I'm in a box, but I'm finding as much power, as much strength as I can um, within that box to give to these kids. And it just covers everything <laughs> that I'm talking about all the time. And how does the, how does your work feed into your own um, identity, your own agency, your own advocacy? How do, do you see that that your work has uh-huh. a has a has a reciprocal end of like also feeding into you? Do you see that or? It's like one and the same, mm. right? <laughs> right. Okay, so prior to working with the A. Philip Randolph Institute, I was in legal marketing. Mm. And so like eight hours of my day, five days a week, I lived out of a cubicle. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and so... Speak to it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like living out of a cubicle and um, waiting to live for the weekend, if that, right? I heard that. Usually on the weekends, I'm just trying to recharge for the week. Mm-hmm. Um and so it was like existing in those spaces and figuring out, oh, there's some something not right about that, like that kind of life. <laughs> right. And um, so so working at APRI, it's like I'm poor. Like I'm so poor. Like it's insane how poor I am. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm free. Like every single day I'm free. Mm. Um, every single day I can get excited about something. And if I'm not excited, I'm happy that I have that downtime because otherwise we're like moving, you know, it's it's like a never ending running on E. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know you feel that. Yeah. And and I think uh what I take away from your work is that it definitely while it drains your cup, it also can fill it up too. Mhm. Yeah. I brought I'm just I'm very grateful. Um I'm always like a super grateful person, but I'm very grateful that I'm tired doing something that I love, something that I'm excited about. Yeah. Because I could be doing, like, and I've been there and I was doing it, you know, like being drained for somebody else's dollar. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, making somebody else's empire. But it feels great to be tired working for us as a whole. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, my gosh, it's like seeing seedlings of these things, like, you know, do just a little sprout. And it gets exciting. So, like, um, sometime earlier last week, we 
went to a press conference for the India Basin Shoreline, which is uh, neighboring to, you know, the shipyards Mm -hmm. and how toxic that was with radiation. And so it was like um, we had been working with um, our former D10 supervisor, Malia Cohen, on um, redeveloping that space. And they want to make it like a Chrissy Fields of the Bayview. A Chrissy Fields? (laughs) What's that? Chrissy Fields and, uh, you know, Golden Gate park or okay you know like just a very nice green recreative space yeah which is scary because you know baby is being redeveloped uh-huh. um for you know the white people to occupy it right but it's and it's, all the brown mm-hmm. and black people are being kicked out of it yeah but it's 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 dope knowing that we're in these spaces holding these people accountable for giving us access yes and so it's like it, it was just dope to be at that press conference and know that I was like, whoa, I, I was knocking on doors. Like I was knocking on public housing doors, mm-hmm. you know, like door to door, which no one does mm-hmm. <laughs> but us. But I was knocking on doors, getting people to meetings to um, give their input on this space that was coming. Yeah. And and to really talk about the history behind it and the disinvestment and, you know, all that stuff. So it's it's just dope that. As soon as I run out, like, you know, as soon as I run out of gas, it's like, oh, there goes another little sprout. And I'm like, damn, I was really doing all that. Like, we we was really doing all that. Right. We was out here. I really I really love the fact that the the lens in which the funding is <clears throat> is centered around uh, climate change. Yes. Right. And, and I think I appreciate that because, in a sense, climate change is impacting our Pacific Islands mm-hmm. um, tremendously mm-hmm. to where our folks in the Pacific will be some of the first climate change refugees, right? Like yes. with sea level rise impacting, you know, Kiribati as well as the Marshall Islands mm-hmm. and so many others. And it's going to hit the the shores of Samoa mm-hmm. and other islands, you know, if we don't, if we don't address these issues, right? Because a lot of it, you know, I know there's a lot, there's a big fight with like, um, the Pacific climate change warriors, you know, addressing the use of fossil fuels, the you know, and that kind of um, oil and all that. All of that to say that I wanted to ask you if you could speak a little bit more about how um, you all are addressing climate change in, in that sense. And maybe it doesn't uh, address <clears throat> the Pacific, but it addresses how it impacts here. Okay. So this last summer, um, our kids came up with this campaign of awareness, right? Mm-hmm. And it really is all about starting the narrative and expanding that narrative within your networks mm-hmm. and within your community, especially vulnerable populations. Right. So vulnerable populations are also our PI. I mean, like our islanders, like people that are there. Mm-hmm. But it um, for us, it's Bayview, um, Bayview residents. Yeah. And so our campaign of awareness, it was, uh, we came up with like six bus stop posters. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I was like, I mean, it was, it was a headache. Like I had to build curriculum, teach the class and do the artwork for, for these, um, for these bus stop posters. Right. 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 (laughs) And I'm like, I like, I was so mad one time, like I punched a chair and my kids were just walking past me like. You know, I'm not going to say nothing to my mom. <laughs> well, she's going through it right now. <laughs> but I know she loves us, right? Um, yeah. So they came up with um, this campaign of awareness, and it was about, a, it, like, it addressed lifestyle 
like behavior changes that mm-hmm. you can take on. And it was, you know, stuff like compost, recycling, but they also had a video that, that um, you know, that coupled it. And it it really just is about starting that conversation. Yeah. Like and 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 keeping that conversation, um, what is it? Keeping you know, I mean keeping it up to date, like mm-hmm. uh keeping it relevant. Yeah, keeping it relevant. Um and so a lot of people from our communities like know nothing about climate change. Right. And so this was a way to kind of say like, hey, you know, you know, like you can actually play a part in decreasing our emissions in these ways like stop eating meat or you know what i mean yeah composting composting recycling using reusable Mm -hmm. um uh, utensils going electric i mean it's going electric right it just really is all a part of the narrative like this like how important this podcast is for our narrative as brown people in america (laughs) or or as islanders in america right it it's narrative is just so important so our hopes are just to continue to build that narrative um and and for my kids like my hopes this coming summer Uh is for them to teach other orgs like to put them through the workshops that i put them through the activities yeah where they acknowledge their global identity where they acknowledge you know this capitalistic structure of society we live in and to see how that plays a part in you know the emissions that we create and the state of our planet and it's yeah i mean you know what would be dope too is just to see them give give that sort of knowledge and education to their own families and communities right to teach to keep teaching the inside Mm -hmm. and and keep that awareness happening on the inside right for our vulnerable families yes right because i i feel i remember that campaign and i remember how beautiful it was to see these young people's faces mm-hmm. uh, be on those posters mm-hmm. and be on, uh, be at those different um, bus bus stations, and I remember it being celebrated even through your social media, right? Yeah. Like that's how I got to see it and how important it is to have our faces yes. from the community yes. attached to the to this type of awareness and yes. education. Yes. Right. Like that's so empowering. It's very it's an, a beautiful example of resilience. Mm-hmm. And I um, I just applaud you and all those who are doing this work. Thank you. Because it's really um, it's really important for our young people to to be equipped. Right. Equipped with these with these knowledges or with the knowledge and with the tools um, to continue that education. Yeah. Yes, definitely, yes. So that's dope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's dope. So uh, just this last question before we wrap all of this up, because I know Tom got to go. Ginger's over here knocked out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I just want to ask you, as someone who's an educator, as well as just a human being existing in this world, what message would you deliver to this generation? I think I repeat this message so much, but um, you're you are valuable exactly as you are. <laughs> mm. You don't need to conform to be any more valuable. Um, you're just perfect. You know, like we all play a part in this world, and it's like if we were all the same, like I would I would 
I would hate the world if everyone was just like me. <laughs> and it's like my kid, like um, especially, you know, my big kids like A.B. and Nana and them, you know, I, I think they hate my scolding. Mm-hmm. But it's um, but it's like I wouldn't want them to be anybody else but themselves. Like, I don't want you to be like me. Right. <laughs> I'm just keeping you in check. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just be comfortable with exactly who you are. If you can't fight, you know, I couldn't fight with myself any longer just being who I am. And I'm just grateful that who I am is holding some value <laughs> in today's world. And so just trust. Trust what your heart is telling you to do. And you are valuable exactly as you are. Thank you for that message because um, even as a, you know, I know that was just for the generation, but as someone who is sitting right here with you delivering that message, I really received that. And I'm probably going to need to replay that a few times <laughs> <laughs> when I get really down on myself. Mm. But, you know, it's important for us to deliver that that type of message because we are all perfectly imperfect right? mm-hmm. and so thank you thank you very much for sharing that token of knowledge um and just thank you for your work and thank you for being you and for being here i greatly appreciate your presence um and before we get up out of here what we always do is we ask ourselves how are you going to take care of yourself this week right and so just to give um just to give a little update or yeah just to just, just an overview of last week is that bex and i were being transparent as fuck and saying that like we've really been slacking mm-hmm. on taking care of ourselves we've been saying every week we're going to do something to care for ourselves mm-hmm. and we don't um and you know it all contributes to us running on e and mm-hmm. really you know burning out and and whatnot and so just to really be accountable to ourselves um, and to be honest with ourselves is like, what is something that you're going to do this week, um, no matter how big or how small, to take care of yourself? Okay. Um, what I will do this week is I will get a full eight. Come on. <laughs> I will get a full eight. <laughs> um, I will wake up with enough time to meditate for at least 10 minutes. Um, those two things really help me go about my day most effectively Mm -hmm. just because I'm rested I am centered and I have patience and you know what I mean I have the capacity to do anything when I'm rested I heard that but yeah that's what I'm gonna do I think what I'm gonna do to take care of myself this week is um recognize the fact that if I'm rushing to get things done or I'm losing sleep over things getting done and wanting to complete it, that at those moments I'm going to just put it down mm-hmm. and allow myself to say that it's okay, I'll get to this tomorrow. Or I'll do this, you know, when I get to it because I oftentimes push myself mm-hmm. to make sure that things get done or I freak out if I don't know what, you know, like where we are on certain mm-hmm. things that I'm just going to let it be and get to it the next day after getting rest and taking care of self, taking care of self and just letting things be, you yes. know, cause I have a tendency to just be like, okay, where are we with this? Where am I with this? Uh, where are you, where are other people <laughs> with these things? And it's, it's okay that, you know, I don't know or that I don't have a control over it. Right. Just to let it, 
let it be. So. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. <laughs> Next week, I'll I'll divulge how us. yeah successful I was in that or not. Uh, so, Fee, before we get out of here, um, how can folks get in touch with you if they want to reach out uh, because they're interested in not only the work you're doing, uh, but you also are. Um, if folks remember when I ICU'd you, ICU'd you <laughs> a few weeks ago, um, I shared that you are an artist. A graphic artist. A graphic artist. Yes. And you are responsible for a lot of the graphics that um, I've been putting out in terms of flyers, you know, funeral programs, pins, mm-hmm. Snapchat filters, and all of that. <laughs> all of that mess. So if folks want to get in touch with you, how can they reach out to you? Okay. So... My Instagram is at Fia415. Um, please announce yourself in my messages. Come correct. <laughs> um, I really don't, like a lot of my family is hella famous. So like I got like 550 people just waiting in my follower request. <laughs> but if you introduce your, make yourself known in my, in my messages, mm-hmm. I will, I will get to you. Right. Yes. Put a little for the cultures. <laughs> You know, it's a subject header. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I need from you. Cool, y'all. Y'all heard how you could tap in with Fia. As always, you could tap in with us on IG at For the Cultures with a Q and an S at the end. Uh, you could also tap in with us via email. Share with us, you know, like how how you're feeling about our podcast or the mm-hmm. episodes. You can always feel free to email us. And just a real quick shout out to all those who have emailed us. We're going to respond to you all very soon. Uh, Mm -hmm. We just want to apologize for being unresponsive. Um, But, yeah, hit us up. So our email is forthecultures with a Q and an S at gmail.com. But other than that, we hope you all have a great week. Fia, I hope you have a great week too, sis. Um, Thank you you for all the work that you're doing. And to all of you out there, take care of yourselves. And we'll see y'all on the next one. Hey. Peace. <laughs> what are we doing it for? We're doing it for the culture. For the culture. For the culture. For the culture.